to the Remind You podcast, where together we keep mental health in the discussion. I am your host, Dr. Christy, a licensed psychologist who guides our dialogue about how our everyday experiences impact our emotional well-being. As we unpack issues that are typically swept under the rug, each week offers us a new opportunity to make meaning of our everyday life experiences. While you may gain clarity and hopefully greater insight, this podcast is not meant to be a replacement for a confidential relationship with a licensed mental health provider. So as we prepare for today's session, I invite you to take just a moment to settle your body, center your mind, and open your heart as we join together to honor Black and Indigenous People of Color Mental Health Month with our series titled, The Courage to Heal. Well, welcome back everyone to the Remind You podcast. I'm so glad that you all have joined us this week as we continue our series called The Courage to Heal. And this month is uh, Black and Indigenous People of Color Month. And we are just honoring the various stories of real people who have had the courage to heal. And so when we talk about courage, what we're talking about are individuals who have had an opportunity to go to places and deal with things that are uncomfortable. And when we talk about healing, it means that they have gone through a process and that process was different for everyone, but a process to allow themselves sort of emotional freedom and physical freedom to allow themselves to heal. So today I am super excited to welcome Miss Hallelujah Dunn to join us today. And so Hallelujah, similar to Kristen, she and I go way back to our college years at James Madison University. And we have um, stayed in contact over the years, but more recently have reconnected. And I think it's nothing but a blessing that uh, we connected more so recently because this has really opened up an opportunity for, I think, her to share her journey with our listeners about how she has gone through the process of healing. So I'm going to let her share with us just a little bit about who she is so you all can get to know her. Thank you, Christy. I really do appreciate you, um, you know, giving me this opportunity to share my story, a quick bit about me. I'm actually originally um, half Ethiopian, half Eritrean. Mm. Um, I moved here in 2000 to go to James Madison University as an international student. I'm currently married. I've been married for almost nine years Mm. and I live in uh, Maryland, Southern Mm. Maryland. And I have two kids. I have a daughter who's three and I have a son who's almost um, eight months. And professionally, I have been working in the clinical research space for about 15 years. Okay. Well, welcome. And thank you again for um, just sort of sharing this space with me today. I'm really excited for our listeners to get a chance to, again, just continue to delve in. So let's talk courage and let's talk healing. So uh, just to give a little bit of a backdrop, uh, Hallelujah and I were talking a few weeks ago, about a month ago, probably, just Um, just kind of connecting and catching up about some of our own personal experiences. And it sort of naturally came out um, that she has really gone through a healing process, a healing process really surrounding grief. And I know some of you out there, you know, especially in the midst of COVID-19 and um, losses of family members and losses of jobs and money and the freedom just to leave your home in the way that we had before. We're all dealing, I think, with this grief and transition process on some level. So I wonder, Hallelujah, can you take us through 
just sort of what grief has kind of looked like for you, what transition has looked like in your journey. Yeah, sure. So I think for me, it started um, actually when I met my husband. That mm-hmm. probably is where I guess the close, um, it, my close experience with grief really began. Yeah. Um, shortly after him and I actually um, started dating, um, 2002, 2007, 2008. Mm-hmm. And um, primarily because his family has um, a genetic heart condition called cardiomyopathy. Mm-hmm. And a significant amount of people in his family um, had have the have the condition, had the condition, and it really has kind of taken a toll on his immediate family, mm-hmm. um, including his mom, his uncles, his aunts, mm-hmm. some of his younger cousins, quite a number of people. So pretty much from the beginning of our relationship, um, you know, to now, he's lost an immediate family member every mm-hmm. single year, mm-hmm. um, except for the year that we got married in 2011, the year that we had my daughter in 2017, and the year that we had my son in 2019. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, because of just the amount of grief and the depth of it, I think that was pretty much God's way of creating space for us to have joy. Yeah. Um, You know, with the wedding, with our babies. Um, So I think that you know, sometimes I think when I think back of that experience, I really do see God's presence. Mm-hmm. During that time, it was kind of difficult mm-hmm. um, to see that just because they, the, the the deaths pretty much rolled one into the other, whether yeah. it's like hospital visits or funerals or planning repasses and, you know, just all the things that come with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he def- definitely carried us through. But I don't, I did not actually realize that I had not processed that grief until after I had my daughter. Wow. Okay. And that was like almost a decade later. So 10 years to realize that there may be something that I need to heal from. Yeah. Because I think that grief is not, it's not linear. Yeah. It's not, it's fluid. Mm -hmm. So it really, I don't think you actually fully process it and sit in what what it looks like until you're ready. Yeah. Um, And I think when you're not ready, it can look like different things, you know, like you can just sort of like dismiss it like, Mm -hmm. Oh, well they were sick for a really long time. So I had enough time to, you know, acclimate myself to what was happening or, well, this is like, you know, a genetic heart condition. So I've been through pretty much the entire process with them. Mm. I met him and it's their family. So sure. why am I experiencing this kind of grief? You know, sure. so you can kind of have, it can almost feel like a competition, you know, like yeah. I don't have the right to feel this way because it's his immediate family. Mm-hmm. And I, to be honest, I kind of had, um, I, I put pressure on myself yeah. to pretty much hold it together in case he needed to fall apart. Yeah. Wow. So what you're saying is so powerful to me, right? So, and the way that I'm hearing it is it's sort of like, here you are as a wife, right? Trying to support your significant other, your spouse, and you're watching this family that you're connected to go through these experience, these consistent losses all the time, right? Every year. And you're saying, well, I got to keep it together. Right. And we can, whether you're married or not, like we can try to keep it together. I think for for people or think that you're keeping it together. Absolutely. That's beautiful. (laughs) Absolutely. Right. (laughs) Yes. Little do 
you know, that's not quite. Yes. And that I think is such an important point because this idea of like keeping it together, it's like, I have to be okay. I have to be in this box. The world needs to know that I can be the strong person. And, you know, you shared with us that you're not originally from the States. And so there's a cultural piece here. hundred percent. Yeah. I think grief looks very different where I'm from, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm, where I'm experiencing it now with my family because my yeah. father, had, you know, just recently experienced uh, a close loss. And I think that it has to be, it's really, it's usually really, really loud, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, in Ethiopian culture, it's loud because that's pretty much the way you grieve and mourn is pretty much the way it equates to your level of respect or love for the person. Yeah. So I was kind of coming into this marriage with John and relationship with John, anticipating that that's what his grief would look like. Yeah. It would just be overt and it would be, you know, obvious and it just, you know, would just kind of take up and swallow up the room. And that's just not the case. Um, and I realized that I was kind of waiting for that to happen, which is part Mm -hmm. of the reason why I think I put pressure on myself to kind of keep it together. I didn't actually realize that Christy, that I was mm-hmm. doing that mm-hmm. until a couple of years ago. Yeah. Like, at all. I just kind of stuffed it down and just yeah. like, going to keep going and to keep moving. And, you know, a lot of times just because of how close the deaths were, we didn't really have time to catch our breath. It was sure. just like sort of when it gets really, really hard, which I believe is like during that three to six month mark, when it's mm-hmm. like, Less people are calling, less people are visiting. Mm-hmm. Now you're kind of acclimating back into what you consider your normal life. And yeah. you just are feeling the void of the person. Mm-hmm. I think that's when it really, it gets more heightened in my opinion, just because you're sort of alone, you know? Absolutely. It can be very isolating. And I think that during that period of time, we were pretty much moving on to the next person that was mm-hmm. either sick or needing care or, mm-hmm. or attention or, you know, and then it doesn't, mm. grief doesn't wait for you to get it together before you get other blows in your personal life. Like yeah. stuff, stuff still continues to happen. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. It well, keeps going. Yeah. So I think that that's part of the, that was part of it. It was just really challenging to sort of, um, navigate it and address it. And I mm-hmm. really didn't. Um, and it kind of bubbled over after I had Naraya, after mm-hmm. I had my daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, something you said, I think, a lot of our listeners, a lot of what you said, I think our, our listeners can connect to, but I want to go back for a moment to this idea of you feeling like you had to keep it together. Because I think a lot of us, myself included, I think a lot of us really struggle with that, whether it's grief or loss or COVID-19. It's like, I got to keep it together. I got to be the strong one for my family, for my friends, right? People have been saying, check on your strong friends, right? Oh, right. So, so tell me about that process of, knowing or feeling like you had to be the one to keep it together in the midst of all that was bubbling up under the surface? Yeah. So I think that, uh, with me, I've learned, um, through therapy, um, that I am a burden bearer. Mm. I'm a, I'm an empath. Like I Mm -hmm. feel what other people feel as though I'm going through it in a lot of cases. So I think that, considering it had become the norm of the family. I mean, John has been losing people since he was five, mm-hmm. you know, from a very young age, including, yeah. including people who are very, very close to him. So I think you can get to a point where it's just part of your norm. It's just something sure. that you go through, you know, and something you adjust to quickly. And I just, that was just not my experience. 
But I felt like, I guess, coming into the family with all of this, I mean, he told us, told me on my first or second date about cardiomyopathy mm-hmm. and that is genetic. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I was going into it thinking, oh, we're just going to go to the movies. And I just, mm-hmm. got <laughs> um, but I totally understand why, because yeah. it, it was a whirlwind from the beginning, you know? Yeah. And I think that because they were so strong and just like so strong in their faith and managing everything and juggling all of their cares while mm-hmm. also dealing with the condition themselves in some yeah. instances, I just felt like, okay, this is, this is what I got to do. I've just sure. got to take it on and shoulder it and just kind of plummet through it, you know? And I, my pastor always talks about the imploding man mm-hmm. and I've been, I'm hypersensitive about that with John. Like, I just don't ever want him to feel like he can't come to me. He can't talk to me and I can't shoulder yeah. whatever it is that he's, you know, going through, you yeah. know, and for him specifically, he's an only child. So mm-hmm. he doesn't have anyone really to share that. Mm-hmm. you know, like responsibility or burden with, like I have sure. someone who doesn't. So I think all of those things and just considering the kind of person I am, I'm pretty caring, yeah. sensitive. I just was like, just taking it all on. And yeah. I didn't even realize I'm just kind of moving, 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 moving. And then what ended up happening is I had my daughter and I had postpartum. Um, I think now I've realized it's probably a combination of postpartum anxiety, which mm-hmm. is now probably, it's called perinatal anxiety actually, mm-hmm. because it's from pregnancy through the first year Mm -hmm. Um, because mine definitely didn't last. It wasn't like a baby blues sort of situation. Mm -hmm. Um, It lasted longer. And I had that. And that was, you know, that was interesting. Um, It was really challenging. But when we were talking about having another child, I got really, really, really anxious. Mm. Like it just made me so nervous. Like, are, are the kids going to be okay? Are they going to be healthy? Okay. Now we're officially moving forward with growing our family. Is something going to happen to Naraya? Is there going to be a period of time where we're going to get news about her health and yeah. her heart? It just was like getting louder and louder and louder, you know, and yeah. I think everybody has intrusive thoughts. I think that's a hundred percent natural mm-hmm. and normal. Um, but I think that it just, you know, some of those thoughts I think can have more power than you probably want them to. Absolutely. Um, and it kind of felt like a ticker, you know, like when you're watching like CNN and there's like a ticker on the bottom telling mm-hmm. you the news feed and everything is happening, especially now in these days with COVID. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of how it felt in my brain. Like yeah. it was constantly like, is she going to be okay? Is he going to be okay? Am I going to get a phone call from someone in the family saying that someone's in the hospital and someone's about to pass away? Like I mm-hmm. just, it was so loud in my yeah life. yeah and, um, so I just was like okay I gotta I gotta do something about you recognize yeah that you yeah. need a pause from healthy. it you know I'm, I'm a pretty proactive person when it mm-hmm. comes to anything that I want to mm-hmm. work on that I want to fix um and I just didn't want that to get in the way of growing my family yeah um but I also just felt like I owed it to myself you know like you deserve that. You know, you deserve to work through that and sit in that and feel those feelings. Yeah. Um, because otherwise it just pretty much blocks like the, the best of your life, you know, right. after that and right. whatever version of yourself, um, you know, you're aspiring to be. Cause that's a big, that's a boulder on your yeah. back. It's not, yeah. It's not something that's kind of small. Um, and I think that that's, that's pretty much kind of what, um, 
really motivated me to, to, to take a deeper look at that and figure that out. Yeah. So you learned, and, and I think Kristen highlighted this last week too. So it's interesting to hear both of you sort of share similar sentiments about feeling like I finally realized that I had to put myself first. And so, you know, for those of you who might be out there listening, you might be connecting with what Hallelujah is talking about in terms of like being a burden bearer, right? And so what that can look like is you're shouldering the burdens for everyone else. So you just take on, it's almost like having a basket and you're just constantly filling it with different items and filling it and filling it and filling it. Eventually you're like, you know what? I can't hold this anymore, right? And so typically when that basket starts to break, it's sort of like that's when the anxiety or the depression, substance use, it looks different for everyone. But that's when typically a lot of like mental health symptoms start to increase and we become overwhelmed, right? And we're just like, a lot of us will go into hiding. We'll just say, forget it. I'm, I'm done with the world right now, right? I'm taking a pause from everything. And so those extremes are not healthy, right? Taking on too much, nor completely disregarding the world for long periods of time. But the beauty in your journey is that you found a way to say hallelujah is important, right? Like, and I have to have enough courage, if you will, to go to these uncomfortable places and deal with all of the experiences that have been going on. So you use one of my favorite words, which is therapy. Um, and so <laughs> I want us to talk a little bit about therapy. So you finally get the, the courage to seek therapy and you walk through the doors, um, you make the appointment, right? You get there. So tell our listeners just a little bit about like what that process was like. Did you ever want to like leave and say, forget it? Like, I don't need to be here. Talk to us a little bit about that courageous process. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, I think I was, I think I was open to it because I feel like that's one of the ways that I heal is by talking, you know, and I feel like a lot of women are like that. I feel like we're ready to just express, you know, sometimes it's just not the optimal time or the optimal person. (laughs) So I think when you have a therapist, it's like, it's like, in my opinion, it's a gift. Yeah. Like, oh, you're going to listen to me and just look at me and, you know, know, this is great, you know? So I think I, um, I went into it with a very specific need I felt like, Mm -hmm. and I got a lot more out of it. Mm -hmm. It was transformational um, for me. But I definitely didn't, I didn't ever want to leave, but I kind of wanted to rush through mm. like, the hard stuff. Like I, I remember talking to her, my therapist, and she also had experienced quite a bit of loss in her life as well. Mm-hmm. So she really, really understood kind of my husband's perspective and what his reality was and then yeah. what mine was. Um, and I just kind of was like ready to, you know, sort of dismiss how I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it was hard for me, but it was harder for this person or- sure. You know, like it's been kind of a long time. Like I should be sort of over why I'm feeling this way. Yeah. Like why does it kind of keep popping up? And I think that she just really gave me quite a bit of insight as to um, how deep it can be and how wide it can be, mm-hmm. but also what contributes to how you deal with grief, you know? Cause yeah. I think that, I mean, I know that there are the five stages of grief. I actually sure. think anxiety is a stage. I think there should mm-hmm. be a sixth stage. Uh Um, and I think because of how much of a sort of type A personality I can, I can have sometimes, I just like for things to be defined. I like to be identified. I like to get a couple coping tools and I just want to wrap it up and like put it in a pretty little box and just put it away. (laughs) 
like, you know, right. I, that's sure. in my mind. Like I just, I'm like, okay, that's great. We've dealt with that. And let's kind of move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And she did not let me do that. Yeah. That was probably the most com- uncomfortable part of it. It mm-hmm. was just like, talk it out. What did that look like? What yeah. did he say? What was going on at your, you know, in your life at the time? A lot of like thought provoking questions. Sure. And I would just be like, yeah, but it's been a really long time or I feel so great. I, 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 I should be grateful. I should be this. I should have mm-hmm. all the shoulda, woulda, couldas mm-hmm. that women can just be completely crippled by, you yeah. know, based on our own expectations and pressure to put on ourselves. John didn't ask me to do anything more than I was already doing, you know, Mm -hmm. but I'm also kind of a fixer. So I just Mm -hmm. was like, what are we going to do to fix this? You know, how are we going to be able to move forward? And I think one of the biggest lessons that she taught me was that those, you can, those things can, they can coexist. Mm -hmm. You can feel sad and be down or, you know, feel like you lonely or feel like you miss the person, but you can also be grateful for the time that you had with them. You know, yes. you can also memorialize, you know, your, your experiences with them. You can also pay homage to them. Like they can both happen at the same exact time. And sometimes you can have those same feelings within the same minute, yeah. in the same, you know, the same day within the same week, like the, the kind of pendulum that swings back. Sure. I just was not familiar with that. Yeah. So she really helped me kind of identify what that was about. But also a lot of my own personal, I guess, um, characteristics in my personality about being such a giver and being a burden bearer and some instances being a people pleaser, which I think are just, you know, a lot of the characteristics of like a nurturer, a mom, you know, a character. And um, that's pretty much like been a running theme, I think, in, in quite a number of the different roles in my life. Um, but she gave me words to put to it. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I really had to spend some time thinking through what I was going to do to, you know, manage it, manage sure. it appropriately, but also deal with it. You know, yeah. like if I'm sad, then I'm sad. Like, like I've, you know, I've seen so mm-hmm. many places, seen things, especially during this COVID time that says it's okay to not be Okay. Yeah. I think it's okay to not be okay, but it's also okay to sit in the fact that you're not okay. Can you say that again, please? Because that <laughs> is key. <laughs> yeah, I think it's okay to be like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. No, I'm not okay. Like, you know, I'm mm-hmm. kind of down, I'm kind of this, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm upset, I'm frustrated. But I think still, because of the kind of people we are and women, mm-hmm. we still are ready to like rush through that. Yes. Like, okay, well, I still have kids to feed. I still have baths to give. I still have to perform at my job. I still have Mm -hmm. to be a wife and a sister. And so we're still like, we're just so focused on moving on, you know, and just putting it away and sort of rushing it and dismissing it, even though we're acknowledging that we're not okay. Yes. I think that that's really powerful. And I think what one of the biggest benefits for me from therapy is to actually make the time to feel your feelings and figure out why, why am I feeling this way? What is causing this? And sometimes Mm. it goes really far back, even before I met John, Mm -hmm. like your relationship with people and your parents and your Mm -hmm. childhood and just your culture and just the way, you know, your environment. It's a lot of contributing factors, which also 
those factors also you bring to the table when you're dealing with grief. Mm. You know, it does it's not separate. Um, so I think it's it's yeah, I've, I've just, I just learned to kind of like normalize it in my brain, you know? Yeah. And find things that um I can do to navigate that and then not be ashamed or feel guilt, mm. you know? That I need, yeah, I need to talk to somebody. I need a minute. Like I need a minute. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially now when you're like, there's so much noise, you know, there's news, there's the financial impact. And then there's, you know, racial injustice and just Mm -hmm. kids and the homeschool. It's a lot of things. And the noise is turned up really, really, really loud. Yes. I think it's really easy to turn yourself down you know, and sometimes mute yourself for that. Yeah. 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 So I think that I'm glad that the timing, even though I felt like, wow, that was a really long time to have had dealt with so much grief. Like why Mm -hmm. didn't I do that earlier? Why didn't I address it earlier? I was Mm -hmm. really critical of myself for just not figuring it out sooner. Mm -hmm. The time that I'd figured it out, it was like in the midst of like kind of between my two pregnancies, you know? And, um, you know, my husband is just like, it doesn't matter like how long it takes. It doesn't matter yeah. what it looks like. It doesn't matter if you, it goes, you know, Monday, you're okay. Thursday, you're not. And then you're not again, you know, you're okay again on Tuesday. It's fine. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Um, so I think not only do we need to, we need to get permission, give our, ourselves permission. Yes. You know, I think that's really, really important as moms to just give yourself permission to feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love, like I'm sitting here in awe because what you're saying, it feels different for me as a psychologist to say it versus somebody who, you know, you're talking about um, your experience with therapy. And I'm so glad it was a positive one. Yeah. The insights that you were able to gain and that it sounds like your therapist was able to help you sort of put pieces in perspective and recognize that, you know, we can sit with our emotions when they're uncomfortable, we can sit with our thoughts. And I think, you know, what makes it really hard, what I find um, for myself and with a lot of the patients that I work with is that our society teaches us, right? Like keep scrolling, you scroll to the next message, right? Or like, there's one more thing you have to do, or you're going from one Zoom meeting to WebEx to Blackboard meeting. And so it's like, we're constantly on the go. And so some of the traits that you describe with yourself about yourself are actually traits that we people really look for, right? Employers look for, friends look for, people who are going to, you know, bear their burdens, people who are going to be empathic. And I think part of therapy is recognizing, wait a minute, now how is this to the detriment of myself, right? Like how is this getting in the way of me being the best version of myself? And so I love this, um, this journey that you've taken. And it sounds like it was such a struggle in terms of, you know, losing people every year is, would be a struggle for, I think everyone. Um, in the midst of, you know, having two children and, you know, working and um, trying to be a friend and, you know, all the other things that just life sort of brings us traffic in the DC area, all that kind of stuff, <laughs> you know? Um, and yet you found the courage as a mom, as a wife, as somebody who's working as a daughter to go forth and get the care that you need. And I think that that is incredible. And I feel like it's very inspirational to uh, myself. And I imagine it's very inspirational to people who are out there listening. So, you know, in saying that, I'm wondering now, you know, you fast forward and you sort of um, think about where you are now and um, that healing process, which my personal belief is that it's an ongoing 
you know, process that, you know, sometimes we, we move to a place of healing, but we have to continue to maintain the, the tools that we've gained. And so what are you implementing that's helping you continue that healing process? No, that's good. Um, well, thanks for the compliment. I You're welcome. <laughs> um, I think that I have, as a result of therapy, I have become hyper aware. Okay. Um, of my peace, of my joy, of my emotions, of my stress, mm-hmm. of just things that I know sometimes can contribute to feeling overwhelmed. You know, sure. I think that that still happens. You know, I think mm-hmm. that we're still, um, especially now, I think there's just so many things and roles that we're having to play. It's hard, I think, to prioritize things and prioritize your self-care, which I believe is like your overall being, your overall yeah. world. Um, and I think one of the biggest things that I've put in practice is just being intentional about it. I'm pretty yeah. militant about my self-care. Good for you. I know, especially, you know, after you have another baby, it's, you just, it's hard. You have to be really, mm-hmm. really disciplined and kind of in t- focused on it and like mm-hmm. set yourself up for success. I mean, it doesn't always look you know, like how it used to look free kids, like, oh, I'm just sure. soak a bath, soak in the bathtub or a massage or all that stuff. But I think I've tried to put things in place that like peaceful practices, I think is yeah. like what I call it, I guess. Um, so that means that just being mindful of like what I'm feeling, okay, um, paying attention to what it is that's contributing to it. Okay. And then if there's something that I can actually do about it, like if it's an easy fix to address, then I like, you know, that I address it, whether it's like sleeping, the way I'm eating, you know, my overall well-being, um, what I'm watching, what I'm listening to, mm-hmm. like all of those things contribute. Because I remember uh, my, um, one of my friends is a chiropractor and she always says that your mood and energy is determined by your gut health. Like 20 to 30% is determined by what you eat. Mm. Um, and I think after, especially after having a child that you're really, really hypersensitive about that just because, mm. you know, breastfeeding and nursing, sure. and stuff, you, you want to make sure that you're like, you know, setting yourself up to be able to do that successfully. Right. And I think that in general, that's part of it too, you know, like just what you're consuming, whether it's like mm-hmm. what you're reading, what you're listening to, what you're hearing. Um, and then also... I've been focusing a lot also on like my spiritual fitness, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. It does. Like prayer life, devotionals, and just remembering like who I am mm-hmm. in Christ. Okay. Uh, my identity in that, you know, because I think it's really easy to forget when the world is just so loud. Yeah. You have to go back to the basics and read your word. And I've really, that's been a journey. I've been trying to stay, stay on that for quite some time. But then also just make sure you're surrounded with things that bring you joy. Mm. If that's like your kids, if that's flowers, if that's like a quick trip to, you know, Panera to get your caramel latte, which is, you know, Ooh. one of my faves. Um, <laughs> Speaking of, of items that we're consuming. Exactly. I think that you just have to put things around you that, yeah. that bring you joy and have practices in your life that contribute to that. If that's like, I remember like John and I sometimes when we're like, overwhelmed or stressed or tired we just put on a stand-up comedy anything like anything yeah. that can make us laugh and just get up you know because that's good for your spirit just it in is. Just, you know? 
Um, so that's another thing that I do, but then I also do quite a bit of brain dumping. Okay. So I have like a post-it note, um, post-it notes actually uh-huh. <laughs> on my nightstand <laughs> and I just write down everything that's on my mind. Yeah. Cause I just know myself, like my mind yes. is so overactive. I just have to just, just put it all down there. If that's like laundry, if that's a grocery list, if that's a podcast I want to listen to, sure. if that's like anything that I feel like I haven't addressed or gotten to, whatever it is, just put it down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also started practicing active um, gratitude, which I think cancels a lot of the negative stuff out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have like a blessing jar, or you can use a vase. And I just write down things that I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. I used to do it daily. Now it's probably like, you know, a couple of times a week. And then I just put it in, in the vase. And then whenever I'm feeling frustrated or anxious or anything, overwhelmed, I just open them up, put my hand in there, open them up, read a couple. And then it just reminds me. It reminds me of the goodness mm-hmm. of God. It reminds me of how blessed I am, even in certain moments when I don't feel that way. Yeah. And also just... It puts things in perspective, you know, yeah. and we have a hard time just doing that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. So those are some of the things that I do. Yeah. You are amazing. Cause you know, sometimes, um, I know, I know a lot of listeners, they just want, what can I do concretely? Like they understand, but like, you've just listed off a ton of sort of, I'm like that, I'm like, I'm like, what can I like, I, you know, everything is associated with an actual, with yeah. An actual, like, yeah. So if you're like a person who, you know, like you get a lot of encouragement and support and, and positivity from listening, mm-hmm. To things, mm-hmm. you know, you, and I'm like that. I, I read a lot. I listen to podcasts obsessively. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think that if you get therapy or like it's therapeutic to write stuff down, then mm-hmm. you know, I have moments or periods in my life where I've journaled because there's actually a very strong connection between healing and writing things down. Yes. Like something happens in your brain. I don't know what the technical term is, but <laughs> in your brain. Um, and then if you're a person who like, you know, needs to work out or, you know, I'm still working on that part of my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got there consistently, but uh, well, there are different things, you know, and sometimes you need to do all of them, you know, absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes depending on how much time you have, you know, you can do a couple minutes here, a couple mm-hmm. minutes there, but I think the overall, the overarching point is, you have to be intentional about it. Yes. Because it's an investment worth, ma- worth making, you know, and at the end of the day. And you really, when you think about all the different roles that you have, you really can't mm. do anything well, any mm-hmm. of them, mm-hmm. if you're not taking care of yourself. And that's mm-hmm. something that, you know, I have to remind myself of all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so part of your maintenance, what I'll call kind of maintenance, is making sure that you're continuing to do some of those things. So. I heard kind of faith in there, making sure that you're prioritizing your faith. I heard, um, you know, spending time with people that you care about. I heard watching comedies. I heard uh, remembering why you're grateful for different blessings that have come your way. The other thing that I heard is kind of a theme. So we call it um, in the psychology word externalization. And so all that is, it's that brain dump process that you're talking about. So it's being able to get, there you go. There's the word for it, externalization. (laughs) And it's just the process of being able to take what's inside, whether those are emotions or thoughts and being able to take them outside of your body. And that's what therapy does, right? It gives you a space that's comfortable to be able to release that because we're not meant to, to hold 
that much. We, our bodies and minds can't physically manage that much without yeah. some kind of relief. Exactly. I agree. But I also think that go back to therapy too, you know, absolutely. Like I have a check-in with her next month that I scheduled. Okay. Um, so it's, it, it doesn't have to be like, it's not a closed book, you know, yeah. like you can go back and as much as you need, even yeah. if it's just to kind of like do some of the externalization, like you're mm-hmm. talking about mm-hmm. a little bit more dumping yeah. that, you know, then that's, that's something that you can do because I think that it's not finite, you know, grief is not finite. Yeah. Like we were talking about earlier and everybody has a right to grieve mm-hmm. in the exact way that they want to. It's mm-hmm. not a competition. It's not, you know, it's not something that you feel like if I'm crying or if I'm emotional, I'm weak. That's sure. not the case at all. Yeah. And I think that, you know, with different people, depending on if the grief was complicated, mm-hmm. um, if it was like a long-term illness, um, you grieve differently, you know, mm-hmm. like that's something that I've also learned because John had had experiences with his mom being sick, like throughout mm-hmm. his childhood, mm-hmm. you know, it, it really picked up towards the last 10 years, but throughout his childhood, you know, you kind of grieve at all time points. You grieve mm-hmm. when they have, get a pacemaker, when they get the defibrillator, yeah. when they, have, you know, bypass surgery, when all of those things are happening. So sometimes it doesn't look like a big, you know, explosion of emotion. Yeah, yeah. Because you're, you're you know, you're kind of doing it in increments. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's one of the other things that I've learned is that, it looks different and yeah. you don't you don't need to rush yourself through it because it will come up mm-hmm. in other ways, you know, and it will cause yeah. issues. So um, it's something that, you know, you need to, you need to take seriously, but, and, but do it at your own time, do it at yeah. your own way. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no, um, it's not a competition, right? Because everybody's process is individual and every process yeah. is different in terms of grief and also in terms of therapy, right? 100%. Yeah, so I call it the the light switch um, sort of theory where I have a lot of clients who come in and they're like, okay, doc, let's go. Like, <laughs> I need to get fixed so I can move on. And so I often explain to people that, you know, therapy is a process um, and grief is definitely a process. And, you know, we often have triggers, whether it's birthdays or anniversaries or during certain times of the years that sometimes bring us back to that loss and that, and that grief feels even stronger. And it's okay to feel those feelings. And I, I hope everyone's able to hear what Hallelujah is sharing with us and, and that I'm going to echo, which is it is okay and it's actually healthy and curative to experience and to sit long enough to tolerate your emotions. And in a lot of ways, it's essential to our survival, right? 100%. I 100% agree. And be patient with yourself during yeah. the process. Be patient it. with yourself during the process because it, te- it will teach you a lot about yourself. Like, yeah. wow, I thought I was stronger. And I've had these feelings myself. Like, I thought mm-hmm. I was stronger. I thought I'd already dealt with this. I thought like everybody else is going through worse than me. Why do I feel this way? I yeah. should be grateful for the way that my life is turning out. You know, like with John's family, I talk to them all the time and their, mm-hmm. you know, their grief is obviously different. It's their yeah. sister, it's their mom, it's their brother. Um, but I think that it's, it, it's different for everybody because your relationship with that person was different. Sure. You know, and that it's a reflection of that, you know, and what those mm-hmm. times were like and the impact that they made. It doesn't matter how long you knew them, how mm-hmm. deep your relationship was. It ju- you just don't have to explain that to anyone, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. But you have to be patient with yourself. 
to, to, to deal with it and to deal with whatever it is that comes out of, you know, you having those conversations with the therapist or just what your own emotions are. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you've, you've taken us on this journey. We started with this idea of grief uh, and I love it. I love it. And I, I imagine, I know our listeners are enjoying this process too. And so you've taken us on this journey of experiencing back-to-back grief and loss, right? While in the midst of trying to manage all of uh, life that's thrown your way and then leading us to a space of, you know what, I'm taking on too much and I've got to take care of myself which then led you to prioritize yourself and to seek care and to really get some aha moments and recognize that I have to take care of myself, which has then led you to specific tangible um, practices that you are now incorporating in your life. And now you're sharing with the world. So thank you. Um, which, which also has then led you to what I will call like going back for tune-ups for therapy as needed. And so you've kind of taken us through this beautiful journey. And I, I think the first thing I would like to say is thank you for your transparency because, you know, part of my um, calling, if you will, is to help normalize mental health and to keep it in the discussion. And I think I know that I can't do it by myself. And so the reason why I wanted to have people who are going through these experiences as of late is to for people to recognize they're not alone and that someone else has experienced something similar. And so I know it's not just you. You've talked about your family, your husband's family. And so I appreciate your transparency and sharing um, the realities of life and, and your journey with our listeners. And so as we kind of get ready to wrap up, what we usually do is um, I ask all of the guests to share a reminder so that it's kind of like therapeutic homework. So each week, um, now you get to be on the other side as the therapist. <laughs> so you get to give our listeners um, something to think about, something that they can keep in mind to help keep mental health in the discussion. So in thinking about your own journey and what you've learned, what's the one kind of reminder that you'd like to give our listeners for this week? That's a good question. Um, I think that ultimately the investment that you make in yourself in any capacity mm. is will materialize as a gift to other people as well. So I think that mm. important to prioritize yourself for yourself, you know, yeah. obviously don't do it for other people, but it allows you to have an impact on so many other people, on your family, on your friends, on your church, whatever the case may be. So it's important homework. It's like, it's a short-term investment for a long, long, long-term reward. Mm. I think that ultimately, I mean, as a Christian, I think people, I think God creates you so you can serve others. Like that's what our goal is. And just like you are, you know, this is, definitely your calling. And I'm so mm. happy and so proud of you for what Thank you're you. doing. But Thank you. I think you don't, you can't do that when you haven't sort of navigated and gone through your own yeah. process, you know, mm-hmm. you, can't you can't live in your own best, your best version of yourself, your full potential, you know, any of that stuff, you really use your gifts, leverage your gifts until you kind of go through what you're going through and really deal with what it is that you need to deal with and take care of. And it's really, really important. I think that's, I think it's hard for people to look inward. You know, I think the soul work is the most important work, Yeah. but it's the, also the work that's the most frustrating because 
you don't see the benefits of it quickly. Yeah. It's a long time. Yeah. Um, my husband has to remind me like all the time, you've come a long way, yeah. like, you've come a long way. You're doing a great job, you know? Mm. And I think that's one of the things that you just kind of have to remember that it's, you're a work in progress. You know, everyone yeah. is a work in progress. Um, but you get to do like what you're on the earth to do once you you walk through that, you know, and you sit through mm-hmm. that, work through that process. Um, and I think that's probably one of the things that I'm the most excited about mm-hmm. um, that's come out of, you know, this long sort of windy journey that I've been on is that I really have seen a significant amount of growth. And I feel like it's just encouraging. It's encouraging. Yeah. Um it's nice to be able to do that because there's also things that you want to deal with that you make sure you're able to speak to your kids about mm-hmm. <laughs> them and help them navigate through it, but also just give them permissions to be, to be who they are and be themselves. Yeah. I think yeah. that as women, I think we have, we're so hard on ourselves, mm-hmm. so hard on ourselves and our self talk cannot be that nice. And the pressures and stresses that we put on ourselves are really unimaginable to carry yeah. day in and day out. It's actually not healthy to carry that yeah. pressure and expectations on yourself. Mm. You know? I think that that's probably one of the biggest things that, that I, I'm learning. Also, I think quarantine has helped with that because you just, mm-hmm. you know, you get to sort of eliminate as many distractions as, as you can to sort of deal with what you, you know, who you're, who you are and what you're about. And I think that it helps to um, have some time and have some practices in place that remind you of that. But then um, just, just face it, you know, just like really just take time and prioritize it. Um, and it's, it can be messy. It can be really, really messy. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be pretty painful. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not, it doesn't end nicely always. And there's not necessarily an end date either. <laughs> like, you yeah, know, it's I, a journey. Yeah, I still get sad about John's mom yeah. all the time, especially mm-hmm. all the time. And I have regrets about, I wish I did had kids earlier so she could have been in their lives. Mm-hmm. Like that still happens, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then I have to remember that God blessed me with so much time with her, you know? Yeah. And so much time with them. And I would have been really stretched thin if I was juggling kids and, you know, establishing a relationship with her and investing and taking care of her and being with her. Sure. So I think at the end of the day, like I said pre- earlier, those things can coexist. Like it's okay. Mm. Like you are strong and you're not, you're not not strong because you're crying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that was a really long reminder. <laughs> <laughs> but well, I think there were several. I think you said one <laughs> So I think what I what I kind of pulled out, there were several things, and I think they were all very useful, which is um, one, go get the help that you need. Don't be afraid to sit in the discomfort. And soul work is some of the most important work. The other thing that you said at the beginning that I think is so helpful is that until you do your work, you can't necessarily be the fullest blessing to other people. And so I think today is just a reflection of that where you have done your work. And so now you are a blessing, not only to me, but to any and everyone that is listening to this and even just people that may not hear this, but that you interact with in your life. So thank you 
from the bottom of my heart. You never know who you cross paths with and how down the road um, and what capacity you all will connect. And so thank you for being a blessing and for having the courage to heal and to share your journey. Thank you so much for asking me to be a part of this. Yeah. I really appreciate it. I hope that someone has learned something because yeah. I've learned a lot from a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen overnight either. And it's still happening. My growth is still ongoing. But I also wanted to say that I'm so happy that you have this platform mm. because I think you're really ministering to people. You're doing God's work Thank on this you. podcast. And I'm excited to see what else you have in store. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So, you know, they know how to keep up with me, but in case they want to keep up with you, hallelujah, how do our listeners follow you or keep up with what you've got going on and your ministry? <laughs> Thank you. Because we're all ministering in some sort of way, right? <laughs> so on Facebook, it's hallelujah.done. And then on Instagram, it's shukorina, S-H-U-K-O-R-I-N-A-A-4. The number four. Okay, so follow Shukarina the number four on Instagram. Thank you again, Hallelujah. It has been a pleasure to smile and laugh with you and and hear your journey. Um, To our listeners out there, we appreciate you all tuning in. Next week, we're actually going to have Hallelujah back and uh, Kristen back. Their stories parallel so much that uh, what I decided to do, and we got so much great feedback that we're going to bring them back together. They've never met before, uh, but we're going to bring them back together. And all three of us are going to talk about the healing process. And then to our men out there, we haven't left you out. So our first um, message of this series was from Man, Just Express Yourself from James Harris. And so we're going to end our series the week after we have Hallelujah and Kristen back. We're going to end with a male talking with us a little bit about depression and uh, sharing your emotions as well. So I am super excited about this series. Please continue to keep up with the Remind You podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Hallelujah. Thank you again. And everybody, remember to keep mental health in your discussions this week. Have a great week, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to today's session of the Remind You podcast. We really got some great information that I think we can apply during the upcoming week. For more information about general mental wellness or to learn about some additional resources, please visit me at www.remind-u.com Or, of course, you can follow me on Instagram at Dr. Christy Norwood on Instagram. Thank you all so much. And be sure that you are keeping mental health in your discussions. I'll see you next week for our newest episode.